Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Girl CEO Podcast, the playground for female entrepreneurs. My name is Ronnie Brown, and I'm the author of Amazon's best-selling book, From Mopping Floors to Making Millions, and was once a teen mom turned millionaire business mentor. I created my Girl CEO community for women like you. Girl CEO, you are a trailblazer, a creative, an innovator, a boss, and a woman who knows that she deserves more. Join me each week while we uncover what it truly takes to be your own boss and become a successful girl CEO. And don't worry, sis, I got you. Hey everyone, welcome to Girl CEO Radio, the playground for female entrepreneurs. And with me today, I have one of my best friends, Jennifer Tyler. Go ahead and say hello to everyone, Jen. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on the podcast today. Well, welcome. You are finally here. Yes, yes. I mean, it's been a long time coming. It's been too long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really pumped to have you on the show today. Can you take a moment and tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Well, I am a wife. I'm a Bible teacher first. I am also an entrepreneur, an author, and a speaker. All right. So what's the name of your book? Well, I have a few books, but the first book I came out with is called Dry Tears, A Woman's Guide to Overcoming. And then I did a Bible study guide called The Changemaker Guide to Studying the Bible. Get it right, Jennifer. Get it right, Jennifer. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And I did a journal called Be Your Own Relationship. Relationship goals. Love that. Love that. So how long have you been in ministry? Since 2000. And I should know this. I started in 2006. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, 2006. That was probably the first time I preached on someone's pulpit. Love it. All right. So what was your life like before ministry, before preaching, before being an author and just all of the amazing things that are happening now in your life? Uh, Life was crazy. (laughs) Um, Break it down. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Prior to this whole preacher side and I just was working a nine to five and I really with no direction and no purpose in my life, I was out there. It was very promiscuous. I didn't have any worth as a woman. I was into drugs. Girl, you know the story. It was crazy. So where were you mentally in that space? Mentally, I just really needed fulfillment. I was searching for fulfillment. I was searching for love and acceptance. And I thought that I could find it in all of these external things. My father and I, we had a lot of challenges. So I had the daddy issues going on. And so know that that is what opened up the door for those promiscuous behaviors that I had in my past. So I just was searching, searching for love, searching for acceptance, uh, searching for that fulfillment 
fulfillment that so many of us are still searching for. Wow. And, you know, there is this this saying that when people have these wild, crazy lives and, you know, they're on drugs or they're doing all of the things that you were kind of doing at that space in your life, like maybe they had a a really bad upbringing and life was hard for them. Do you agree with that? Not uh, entirely. I think that we have choices that we're able to make and you can uh, have parents that are doing the best that they can and they're great parents but that child can still make a decision to just go in the wrong direction and so for me I had a great mom you know and my father was a well he was an okay dad he tried he tried his best my father was affected by the 80s crack epidemic that was happening in DC at that time so he got into that life but he tried, you know, to be the best father that he could be. But that still affected me growing up and just seeing the things that he was into and just being out in the streets. He was present, but not present. And because of that, as a young woman, as a teenager into my early 20s, I was always looking for that, that love, that fulfillment. So how did you get that love? How did you get that fulfillment in the negative light? I got it from just being with different people, being with different men, being with different women, (laughs) and just... That was how I was searching for fulfillment, just having that companionship. And you were open, you know, you were with women, you were with men, you were kind of trying to find yourself. I was trying to find myself, girl. I didn't know what, which way I was supposed to go. I was like, whoever's going to make me feel good, fill this void. (laughs) Love it. So you were just kind of trying to find that love and that attention. Yeah, I was trying to find the love and attention. I was confused about my sexuality. I had been hurt by men. And so, you know, a lot of women experience that when you're bruised or wounded or hurt you go and you want to try other things and so I had a period of my life where that was the lifestyle that I engaged in and one thing about the LBGTQ community they opened up their arms and welcomed me like family and so I felt that was the direction that I went in and yeah so I was just trying to find fulfillment yeah and so how did this shift happen where you decided because I know you went through a season where you know you were celibate you were celibate yeah and I mean what happened one day you're in the life you're dating women you're trying to find yourself you're hurting you're healing um you're going back and forth between men and women men and women not really knowing what happened where that shift just came upon you and you said okay I need to do something. I need to find myself and my purpose. Let me say this. It definitely wasn't overnight. It wasn't like I woke up and said, you know what? I am going to be celibate. I'm going to focus on God. It was a process. And I think we all have these moments where life gets real and we want to just make a change and where God starts to expose the things that we're doing in our lives that we need to shift and we need to change. And for me, it was my best friend being killed in 2004. And it was during that time where after she was killed, 
I felt the emptiness that I felt was only cured by when I was at church mm-hmm. or when I was at my mother's house. And I always would joke and say my mother's house when I would walk in, it was like the presence of God was there because she always prayed throughout the yeah, house. You told me that when your mom found out like <laughs> that you were in relationships with women, she started like praying over you. I mean, yes, <laughs> I, you know, she definitely did. But looking back on that, I'm so grateful for how she loved me where I was and mm-hmm. loved me through that. Yeah. Uh, so even when I was in that lifestyle, she didn't throw me away. She yeah. was like, you know what? I'm going to love you and your little friends. I'm going <laughs> to love all y'all. And she showed me Christ. One thing about my mom, even though she was going through her own battles and things with my father struggling with addiction, my mother consistently showed the love of God. She showed me Christ. And I used to look at her and be like, how can you have so much joy and so much peace when all of this stuff is going on around you? And I envied that. I wanted that peace. I wanted that joy that she had no matter what. In the lifestyle that I was in and doing what I was doing, I had no peace. I had uh, no real joy. I was constantly in turmoil and battling. And then when my best friend was killed, it was like a wake up call. Like, no, it is time for you to really, really surrender your life and to focus because life is short. And I just wanted to make sure that my life mattered. And at that time I was working like administrative jobs, but I had no purpose, no direction. I didn't know what I ultimately wanted to do with my life because I had spent so much of my life trying to find fulfillment in men and women and partying and just all of these other things. So let's talk about that because one of the things that I think about with you and that I just love about you is you love everyone. Whether you're with a man, you're with a woman, if you're Muslim, if you're Christian, one of the things that I just really admire about you is the fact that you're not one of those judgy, super pushy religious people that are just attacking anyone who is just not where you are on your journey can we talk a little bit about that was did it take you some time to get there or did you have to just reevaluate yourself or I definitely had to reevaluate myself so as a new believer when I first became a Christian this was 2004 I was that self-righteous person I was the person who looked at everyone else's sin against mine. Like I didn't commit all those sins. And still the Bible says that we're all born into sin and shaped into iniquity. So that means that we all will wrestle with certain sin, but I used to be that judgmental person. And so it took really just growth in Christ. And the more that you grow, you realize, wow, he's graced you and he's loved you. Even though you sinned against God, like he's still loves you right where you are. We were all enemies of God. So how can I look at someone else that may be on their chapter one and I'm on my chapter 20 and why am I going to judge them for the chapter that they are currently on? Also, I saw the power that 
when you truly love people where they are, how that opens up the door for you to really just show them Christ. And that's what my mom did for me. So let's just kind of go a little deeper into that. Okay. Because right now I kind of feel like just because you have Jesus in your bio doesn't mean Jesus is in your heart. That's the truth. (laughs) And I I see that. And when I came around you, Mm -hmm. I was just like the friend that was totally opposite of... Yes. I was like, girl, not today. (laughs) No, I mean, but I loved you because you were you. Yeah. And I just felt like I'll never forget the first time like I came to your salon and you would do my brows and you were just so sweet and down to earth and you reminded me it's so interesting you reminded me of my best friend that was killed so I was just like she's gonna be my friend (laughs) (laughs) because your personality was just so magnetic and even though we were different places spiritually I never once looked at you like oh we couldn't be friends yeah definitely and one of the things I just think about is how accepting you were because I'm not super churchy I've never been super churchy I love the Lord well, I love I'm not God. churchy but I feel like I've never <laughs> been that person yeah know? yeah I so got you I love the Lord and I know the Lord and I believe in the Lord but I've just never been one to kind of like condemn you know yeah. I've just always been like I will never have it all together. Yeah. I don't even want to put myself in that situation. Yeah. And one of the things that I know and I've seen with you is just how you you don't get in debates, like spiritual debates. And Yeah, I think it's a time and place for that. I think that, first of all, online is not really the place to... I don't get caught up in those debates. I think they're fruitless. But what... I do believe in is building relationships with people who may not think like you because then you can have it you can open the door for conversations to happen to learn what they believe in to be able to share what you believe and to be able to dialogue in a healthy way Hmm. I love that part I really love that part so what would you say to the girl CEOs that are listening to this podcast right now and they're building businesses and they may be struggling in the spiritual realm and sometimes even you used to get on me like um excuse me have you gotten into your world lately you're going you're building your business I see you hustling and bustling but when is the last time you got in the presence of the Lord I need you to take a break yeah what would you say to those people I would say just begin to prioritize that time with God and that quiet time. And I know that everyone can't get an hour before work or anything like that. So the way that I would get it in is there would be times I could only get in my prayer time in the shower or in the car. On In the car on the way to your house today, I was listening to scripture on my radio. So that was my prayer time. I listened to scripture while I was on my way over here and then I turned it off and then I prayed on my way over here. And that was my time. So I think it's a matter of just making it a priority and sometimes you have to be very intentional 
intentional with scheduling it. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I have an alarm that goes off in the morning that says pray and read your Bible as a reminder because it's so easy for us to just grab our phones and then to just start going. Yeah. Because once you grab that phone as a girl CEO, you're checking emails, you're checking social you're media. You're on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> and so when I check my phone first thing in the morning, it's a reminder that pops up and says, read your Bible, go and pray. And I put that phone right back down and I go down and I get my coffee and I have my moment with God. And so that's super helpful. So you just have to prioritize it. And the reason why it's so important, important, especially for girl CEOs, that's how we tap into our creativity as well because here we are we're trying to come up with different ideas and vision for our businesses and for our brands and why not seek the creator first (laughs) the one who has all creative power to download those ideas and things in us Love it. Love it. So do you think that maybe your past and the things that you've gone through, it has been a part of the reason why you have so much grace for other people and you're so accepting? Absolutely. Every day I'm thankful for God's grace. He still graces me today. So I know that with everything that I have experienced, that's why I can go into different uh, circles or communities in the hood and still have conversations and still relate to people. One thing that I love. I was just reading earlier about Paul. One of the things that he said is that he became all things to all men so that I might save some. Mm. And so uh, that was a powerful statement right there. (laughs) Paul said he became all things to all men so that he might might save save some. Yeah. So do you mean that sometimes you got to get around the people who are different? Yeah different. Like if I'm just around a bunch of people who think like me, who look like like me, (laughs) (laughs) all super safe, then I'm not making impact. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus is the great example setter. And Jesus was around people that also, along with his disciples, who they had their issues, but he still brought them in and he led them. But he also sat down with people that society frowned upon, like the tax collector, like the time he allowed the Samaritan woman to give him um, a drink. Wash his feet. Wash his feet. <laughs> well, that's a head. different story. She, that was another one. She was a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. She was a prostitute. Yes. He was really nice to all of the ratchet people. Yes, yes. But <laughs> but it was for a purpose. Yeah. It was for the purpose of him revealing himself to them and for saving them. And so when it comes to believers, it is our job also that we should be able to go into an environment with people who think differently and be able to love them for the sake of the gospel. I love that. And what are some of the things that you've personally struggled with throughout your journey? I could talk about currently. One of the things that I've struggled with, even as an entrepreneur, is anxiety and worry and fear. I think that has been the biggest battle. Even to this day, this is something that I'm consistently laying before God. And I believe in Jesus and therapy. I have gotten a great therapist that helped me with techniques on anxiety as well as pointing me to scripture. So that's been like the biggest battle. And why do you think you're having that fear? I don't even know. Sometimes I believe that it is a spiritual attack. And then other times it's because 
you put that anxiety comes when you put so much focus on you accomplishing everything on your own Mm -hmm. and you forget that we also have to be trusting God. Yeah. And so when you... Because s- he's behind the wheel. Because he's behind the Not wheel. Yet. Exactly. As much as you think you are you have it going on and you're getting it done exactly. and you're working and you're staying up to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, he could block all of All that. of that. And so being a control freak, I always say that I am a recovering control freak. And because of that, when I feel like I can't control something, that anxiety will take over. And so what I'm learning is to take my hands off the wheel and allow him to steer the wheel, allow him to be in control, to trust in his sovereignty and trust his plan. And so that has really, really helped me. Yeah, definitely. And one of the biggest things that I just realized about you is there are times where I'm working 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, what you got going on? You're like, nothing. I'm just resting in the word right now. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And you'll just remind me. You'll just remind me uh, to take that break. To take that break. And to, I believe in that rest. And I think rest is holy. (laughs) It is because it's that time where you can just be restored and allow God to speak to you. And that's what fills my cup. So then I can go out to the speaking engagement and kill it. Or I can go and work on some business things and just be impactful. So let's go back a little bit because, you know, you were in the life, you were out there. Yeah, girl, I was out there. Out there, out there. Out there, out there. <laughs> she was just partying. And, yeah. And, and dancing. And dancing. Ev- everything that you Not ballet. And not ballet. And not trap <laughs> ballet. Either. All right, but she was dancing and just doing all this crazy stuff. And you decided to dedicate your life to Christ. Uh, you decided that you wanted to go in a different direction with yeah. who you were dating. So okay, I need to really take the time to get to know God and and you told me that one day you woke up or something like that and a voice spoke to you and said this is not what you're supposed to be doing and you were like laying in the bed with a woman and God convicted you at that moment yeah I well it wasn't a voice I had a dream and I was living with a woman and I had a dream well I had a, a series of dreams so the first dream I saw myself preaching on a stage in an arena and I had a short haircut and back then I wore my hair long and dark and I remember I woke up thinking whoa I was preaching and I'm like beside the woman I'm like okay this is interesting I don't know how so do you feel like you can't preach and still be with a woman or (laughs) girl that's a whole nother topic you got to have my emails going off (laughs) but let me just say this I knew for what God was calling me to do. Yeah. Okay, I got it. I knew that that wasn't the direction that I was supposed to go in. Even when God gave me that dream, it wasn't that I was after the preaching. What I was after is the peace and the joy that I had on my face. Mm. In that moment, I was like, wow, I look so happy. And Mm. that was the thing that was on my heart. And yeah, so I kept getting dreams and things that would show me my future. Wow. 
and you just decided that you were going to go in a different direction. Yeah. I mean, I just knew I couldn't box with God. I was miserable. Like I knew that I needed to surrender my life to him and I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew for me, it wasn't staying in the lifestyle that I was in. And let's talk about that process because you decided that I'm not doing this. Where did you go from there? I packed up my clothes and like the prodigal son, I asked my mama, could I come back home? (laughs) (laughs) And she welcomed me with open arms. And I remember at that time when I went back home to my mother, it wasn't a good situation. Um, My father at that time, he was still addicted to drugs. So I was going through that battle. And so the temptation was like, man, you left your house with this woman to come back to the hood and to be in this situation. But I really knew that God wanted me there. And so I threw myself into the things of God and what that means practically. I started reading the Bible like from cover to cover. And there was a season where I didn't have any friends. Wow. Because I needed to walk away from my friends that were doing the things that I knew I was no longer supposed to be doing. So that influence is a really big deal. I hear that part and this is not just for the topic that we're having right now yeah, I believe even in business yeah even in business the people that you are surrounding yourself with when you're attempting to go to that next level in your life they make such a big difference huge huge difference so you decided that you needed to be by yourself I was by myself I used to take myself out on dates they were my dates with God I would go and get my blanket and go down downtown by wow. the next National Monument. <laughs> okay. And I would take my Bible and I have my little sandwich and I need to learn to be by myself and I need to learn who I am because I didn't know who I was. I was finding my identity in the men and the women and my friendships and the people around me. I needed to figure out, okay, who is God truly calling Jennifer to be? What do I like? Who am I? And I would just go and be by myself. And he was just showing me my identity in that season. So you were by yourself. You decided that you were going to be celibate. How long did that last, honey? Six years. Let me dap you up. (laughs) Six years. Girl, that was nothing but the grace and power of God because as I said, I was promiscuous out there. So I guess I felt like I had enough sex to last me for a long time. (laughs) Six years. So six years. You were born again virgin. Born again virgin. I'm telling you. How did you handle that? Were there struggles? Were there moments that you wanted to break? No. So, of course, you know. Were there moments when your jeans was on fire? (laughs) (laughs) And you were just like, get me out of here. You know? So, I think in the beginning, I definitely had those moments. But as the years went on, it became easier and community had a lot to do with it. Then we talked about influence. I started being around other women who were also celibate. And so because I was around other women who were celibate and who were modeling that lifestyle before me, it was easier for me to walk it out. And you just 
stay true to it. And I just stayed true to it. And you joined the organization um, Worth the Weight. Yep, I was heavy in that purity culture movement, child. I was all worth the weight. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's where I ended up meeting my husband, so it all had purpose. So let's talk a little bit about that because <laughs> your husband was like a virgin yes. when you all got married. Yes, he was definitely a virgin. I was his first. I took his virginity. Took Happily. Took it. Yes. Just robbed him. Yeah, robbed him. (laughs) You know? And your husband is so passionate about sharing that story. And he told me personally, like, he's my brother. He was just like, sis, I waited for my wife. Yeah. And I wanted to wait for my wife. I didn't want to give myself to any other woman. I wanted to wait for my wife. How was that? I mean, let's just be real. You know, you were a little off the chain. So when you come here with this whole virgin, how was that? Let me just say, I remember prior to us getting married, so many of my friends would say, oh, girl, I know you about to have the pole up in the bedroom. You about to be going because they knew me from my past. Oh, they knew. Yeah, so they knew. (laughs) But on our wedding night, and this is the power of restoration. I was so nervous, sis. I had the cover up to my neck. (laughs) I had to get a glass of wine because I had not been with anyone in six years. So I was like, oh my gosh. And it was pure. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And I am... It was great. I forgot what we were talking about now. I started reflecting. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was beautiful. It so was great. So was it a teaching process and learning intimacy? and Absolutely. And the thing is, it is a process. But when you are in love with someone, you're willing to go through the process. And the thing is, even if he wasn't a virgin, I would still be teaching him because every woman's body is different. different. Yeah. And we teach each other. You know, As he figures out and learns what he likes, okay, you like that? Okay, I'm do that a little more and vice versa so it's a process yeah so how have you learned to really get to a space where you are comfortable monetizing your gift because let me just have someone in your life like ronnie b (laughs) (laughs) ronnie brown will help you get comfortable monetizing (laughs) i'm telling you like when you came into my life I remember you were like, I'm going to help you with your speaker contracts. I'm going to like, and you help me. And so you continue to help me because that's something that I always wrestle with. Yeah, because it's just so hard. I think it's definitely because of the industry that you're in. I would be like, Jen, you know, what are you charging to speak at this event? You got to drive three hours away. She'd be like, $9 a <laughs> Look, for anybody listening, don't request me for nine and, and think you could give me for nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. <laughs> I would be like, sis, I mean, you good? She was like, Yeah, I gotta drive down there, but I'm just gonna have to eat McDonald's on the way home because it's not in the budget. Um, we just went through such a process. Yeah, we did. We and really did. We still kind of have we those. Still we had one of those discussions. moments last month where I had to get on a She did. She (laughs) did. Because I just love what I do. And I'm one of those people who I naturally want to give. And so you have to have other people that say, okay, but you can't just give everything for free. Like you got to eat. So I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just so proud of you watching you you, evolve. One of the things that I really admire about you is your patience. 
And I want to talk about this. And I know everyone who's tuning into this podcast, they probably thought that we were going to be getting on here just really quoting scripture all day. But yeah, not not this podcast. I really want to have open conversation with someone who's in ministry that is really standing at a pulpit preaching just to remind everyone out there because sometimes you can get hurt in the church absolutely you can get hurt in the church yeah church hurt is real it's like the worst kind of hurt because it's the hurt from people that you don't expect that will hurt you and sometimes when you are hurt in the church or the church is telling you things that you don't want to hear or maybe you listen to something that the church told you to do and it didn't work out and it was a bad situation there is resentment there is bitterness mm-hmm. um and sometimes with that you can begin to kind of say this isn't for me or begin to doubt God, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or really say, where are you mm-hmm. in this season of my life? Mm-hmm. I don't see you. Why would you let this happen? Um, have you ever dealt with church hurt? I definitely dealt with church hurt. And the thing that I had to come to realize is that people are imperfect. God is the only one that is perfect. And so I think that church hurt is magnified when we put our hope in people. Mm, that's something When you I put wanna... your hope and your trust in a human you are a human you're a person I tell people all the time don't even put your hope in your trust in me like I'm human and that means that I may have a bad day mm-hmm. and that doesn't give anyone an excuse to intentionally hurt people but you experience that in the church because people are human people are sinful and so I think that when you are hurt by the church prayerfully your church or your leaders provide an environment conducive for healing and restoration where you can speak with them, where you could dialogue with them and not just carry that hurt around and not get healed from it. Because when you do that, then you're just carrying that hurt and that bitterness and that's not healthy. I love that part. And it's true because these are just normal people. They're just normal people. They're not Christ. No, not at all. So don't expect from them. Perfection. Yeah. Don't don't expect for them to be perfect. Don't think that they won't let you down because they may. Yeah, they may absolutely let you down. Yeah, and it's not a it has nothing to do with God. That's just a choice that they made in their sin. But prayerfully, if they're true believers, they will repent of their sin, and you can be able to work together and heal. How have you overcome judgment from the church? Because your life changed a lot change I mean you grew Um, you started really growing in a way where you realized that this was your call yeah Uh, you started making money I mean how did that affect your peers and I just believe like religion and money can be such a sensitive topic together I don't even think I'm trying to think have I been judged by the church I guess I don't if I've experienced judgment, you looking like, yes, you have. <laughs> you know, your best friend know all your business. <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, I really don't know. I'm sure I've experienced some judgment, but when you know who you are, <laughs> 
I mean, people are going to talk whether you're doing good, bad, or nothing at all. So what it is is that you can't allow it to affect you. Yeah. People are always going to say something. Mm -hmm. You know, I could be out on the mission field and they're like, who does she think she is? You know, so people are always going to say something. Yeah. And one of the things that I just always notice, and I have like two women that I really trust to minister to me. Yeah. Now, I get a lot of inboxes and, and fake prophecies and things Girl, like that. Me too. I, I ignore that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. I, I can hear from God very clear as well. When I feel it in my spirit that I'm supposed to listen, I listen. But when I feel like someone's fishing and reaching, I ignore it. Right. Okay? Now, there aren't many women right. that I talk to. It's like you and Sarah. That's it. You and Sarah Jakes. That's it. <laughs> and if you heard those two names, y'all know what I prefer personality-wise. Right. If it's like, if it's not real and we can't just be on regular terms, I don't really want it. Yep, I, I don't that's need, you. I need it to be straight up. Mm-hmm. And I get that from her. And I get that from you. And, and we all know each other. Yeah. And I just think it's so important for people to feel like they can let their hair down. And they don't have to walk on eggshells and they can come to someone and they can talk without the judgment and without someone looking at you like that kind of thing. How have you taken that approach? How has that approach impacted your ministry? I believe it's made me more relatable. I get that a lot from women that, wow, you are relatable and they feel like that they can come to me. And I love that because again, that just opens the door for me to relationally like just love on them and show them Christ and be able to have those conversations. And all the times those conversations, those aren't things that are broadcasted or anything like that, but it allows me to make a greater impact in people's lives because people feel like, okay, I can come to her. Yeah. She is not portraying this image of perfection. And I think with social media, we have to be careful because people can portray this image of perfection and we have to understand that it's a highlight reel. And one of the things I always say is if I go to someone's page and they're in ministry and they never show or talk about their weaknesses, their weaknesses, their struggles, the things that they screwed up in. And I'm not talking about how you was messed up 15 years ago. No, sis, you're still messed up today. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) By the way. And that's why I'm very determined to be transparent. And you've helped me with that. Like, by you modeling that type of transparency. And I really, really appreciate that because I think the transparency that I've been bringing to our ministry is definitely just made it just much more impactful. Definitely. And you've been so patient throughout this journey. Every venture that I've done with you, I've always witnessed your level of patience. You're never in a rush. You waited and you said, my time is coming. Yeah. What God has for me. Is for me. It's for me. And you've never been anxious for anything. And I personally believe that, like, this is your season. I believe, like, (laughs) the end of this year and the beginning of next year, everything's taken off for your brand. And I just love everything you do. You have From My Block to Yours, where... So, From My Block to Yours came out of my desire to just support the work of missions and to tell their stories. And so for my block to yours is my nonprofit. And it's really just about supporting people that are taking the gospel from their corner of the block to 
other blocks all over the globe. And so out of that came Soul Circles. <laughs> and Soul Circles is another avenue in which we're doing that through bringing women together around Bible literacy and giving them the tools in order to study God's word. Wow. And what I love about From My Block to Yours and the mission trips that you go on is like you're taking modern day, like everyday people. Yeah. Let's go on this mission trip. Like, how is that? So my heart and bringing people and I have a passion for especially exposing people of color to the mission field because I believe that black black representation (laughs) yes African American yes minorities period people of color no women of color (laughs) men of color because I'm not even just talking about African Americans Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Hispanics Asians like they've all been on my trips and the reason why it's so dope is because when I first started going on the mission field I would be in a sea of white women and Mm. just be the only black woman. And it would not be other races either. Wow. Why do you think that's the case? So I just believe that because missions has been done in ways that have been hurtful and historically missions has been tied to colonization and things of that nature. So our people, people of color, tend to shy away from it because of people who have done missions wrong, coming into a country and robbing them of their culture, their Mm -hmm. identity and hey, you're going to serve this white Jesus and that kind of thing. And it has been done in a damaging way. And Mm -hmm. so that is not the type of short-term missions or long-term missions that I support or do. Wow. So what is your vision for Jennifer, Tyler, and what you're doing now? Because you're doing a lot of uh, Bible literacy and traveling to different states. Where do you see your brand in five years? In five years, well, definitely uh, before five years, I see a conference, a Soul Circles conference. I'm excited about that. I'm going to be there front row. Yes, I cannot. Supporting and screaming. I cannot <laughs> wait. I have a passion and a desire to bring women together and really equip women. I think so often we go places and we get encouraged and pumped up, but not necessarily equipped to know how to handle the word of God on our own and to truly be able to exegete the scriptures and to understand for ourselves. So I will be putting together a conference that has that going on and some other elements uh, to equip and arm our women to be able to defend the faith through apologetics. And I'm saying, I know I'm saying all of these theological words, but in short, women will be equipped. And so in five years, I see my brand just growing to equip women in an even greater way uh, through different media outlets and things of that nature. I don't want to say everything, but I want to allow women to just be equipped to handle God's word on their own. Love it. And right now you have a Bible literacy program. Is it? Yes. Like it's Soul weeks? Circles course. It's a four week course. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the Soul Circles course is designed for those women, even if you have a attended a live Soul Circles event, the course goes deeper. And so 
what we cover in the course is the story of scripture. When you're learning how the Bible works together, you are going through how to study the Bible inductively. You're also learning about the gospel and also the power of prayer, and it all works together. So you're getting a spiritual reboot. You're getting some foundational things as well. I always say for the woman who you may have a strong foundation or you may not have a strong foundation, you could benefit from getting uh, the material. It's not a course where it's just encouraging you. You actually have what I call soul work instead of homework. I love that. So you have soul work that if you do the soul work, you are definitely going to grow. And you're also plugged into our community with other women who have attended a soul circles or who may be currently in the course that you could dialogue with. So how will these women leave? Like, how would they feel when they complete this course? What is what is your vision for a woman who has completed this program? How is she feeling? Well, from the testimonials that I have received, women are enlightened. They feel like, wow, I can now study my word for myself and see Mm, things that I may not have seen before. They are stirred up to share the gospel. And what does that look like? How do I live out the gospel every day? Uh, That's something that they are encouraged in. You leave refreshed and fulfilled because anytime course is leading you into God's word, like his word gives us life. And so my goal for the course is to help give women life, to be refreshed. You do that that so well. Thank you. You really do. I remember one of our close friends, Kim, she transitioned and she was a Christian and then she transitioned and she became a Muslim and we were all shocked and Mm -hmm. it kind of caught us off guard. And your love language was not to condemn her was not to judge her, was not to make her feel like she was an outsider. You led with love. And I would never forget, I believe it was Christmas or Mm -hmm. her birthday. Christmas. It was Christmas. And you went and you purchased her a hijab. And she called me and she was in tears. She was just crying. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Jennifer, it's so sweet. I can't believe it. I was like, yeah, I put in on it too. (laughs) I was like, I put in on that hood. I put in on that. Like, I didn't, but I was lying. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But it's those things where it's just always leading in love. And it's never trying to, like, argue and whose faith is the best or like who's the real you know like it's just I've never seen you it's just always been love love yeah and because of that I've been able to have discussions with Kim about her faith and what she believes and what I believe and have those discussions and ultimately as a Christian what we believe is that it's the Holy Spirit it's the Lord who draws people to him and so that doesn't mean that we can't have different views and dialogue but ultimately the it's God's work and yeah. drawing them and so I can't draw if I'm like girl what what are you doing like snatch that hijab like I can't draw her yeah. and it too. hasn't affected our friendship no it, it hasn't I love her more and that's the thing that I notice about you like there had there have been moments in my life where I was just distraught yeah <laughs> and you've we been all? there you've just been by my side there have been moments where you have just been the ear 
and I can come to you about every single thing. You've been literally that spiritual mentor. Right there. Right by my side through every single thing. And I just appreciate that. And I just think that that is why you will continue to be so blessed. And what I feel like, I feel like when the blessings come for you, they just inch their way there. And then it's like, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Well, come on with the boom, Jesus. Come on. (laughs) It's like right there. So. It's coming, and I just, I will say this. I have learned to be content in the process. In the wilderness. Wilderness seasons have purpose. That's a whole nother podcast, girl. exactly. But wilderness seasons can be sweet because it's like there, it's like where you grow and you see, like, God's faithfulness. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And where can all the girl CEOs find you on social? Social Instagram at Jennifer Lucy Tyler, Jennifer with two N's, L-U-C-Y, Tyler. And on Twitter, Jen Lucy Tyler. And Facebook, just Jennifer Lucy Tyler. So uh, if you want to learn about Soul Circles, our next events and things of that nature, you can follow uh, Soul Circles events on Instagram and you can just get connected. Even uh, you'll learn about the course. If you are interested in the course, uh, you can go to JenniferLucyTyler.com and you'll find the information there. And last but not least, one thing that you can leave with our Girl CEO listeners right now. Wow, we've talked about so much. (laughs) But if there is one thing that I could leave, it is in as you are pursuing everything that God has called you to do, don't forget the one who gave you the gift. And that means God, don't forget to set aside that time to just be thankful, whether you write a gratitude journal or to pray, just don't forget that part while we're on the hustle journey. Don't forget that. It's so important to make sure that he is not an afterthought in our routine. Love it. All right, ladies. Well, thank you for tuning in to Girl CO Radio. If you are not a part of our Girl CO community, not getting that coaching, not getting that that community and not plugged in, go get plugged in. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at girlceoinc and also go and check out our website at girlceoinc.com. You can become a member there. Get plugged into our masterclasses. Get plugged into our community, our live events and all of the amazing things that we have going on and we cannot wait to see you on the inside have a great day ladies bye
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.